Welcome back to Autumn Waves, and you are listening to Love Potions by Christina Jones, and this is Chapter Twenty. George stared at Freda across the desk. Had she misheard him? Was he really offering her a job? Was this really happening, or was it simply a fizzment of her imagination, as the woodland pool had surely been, as a result of some strange imbalance in the fragrance she had inhaled? As she did not want to leap up, punching the air with excited yells, if this was all the part of her fantasy, she kept quiet. No, Doug. Sorry, Fredo. Spread his hands wide. Of course not. No sane and sensible person, let alone an intelligent and classy lady like you, would want to hold themselves up in here, work in this pigsty for an old love and peace hippie like me. My mistake. No. George shook her head. No, I mean, yes, yes. I'm looking for a job, but, but I have not worked outside the home for years and years. I'm pretty, I'm pretty rusty on the old procedure, let alone the new ones. And I know nothing at all about、um, entertainment industry. I was a sort of secretary, shorthand typist, really, for a builder's merchant before my marriage. A shorthand typist. Would suit me down to the ground. Fredo beamed, especially the one who could create order from this chaos, sort of the filling system, the filing system. Get me a bit of organized, and you will easily pick up the agency stuff as you get along. And clever lash. Like you, but he looked at her through his tangle of yellow hair. It would be a sort of partnership, Doug. I'm not good at barking orders and expecting people to jump through hoops. I would hand it all over to you and let you get on with it. 
you sort out the office, I'll sort out the acts. We will have to work as a team. Oh, Josh thought, how wonderful that would be, working here, using her old skills, creating calm from disorder, having someone as easygoing as Fredo Vivian as her boss, feeling that she had a purpose and that she was a real person again, that her days would be both filled and fulfilling. She took a deep breath. That sounds perfect to me. You mean you would like to give it a try? Fredo reached across the desk and gripping both her hands in his. Blimey! Josh! Duck, you have just made my millennium. When can you start? Josh returned his green and the squeeze of his hands and then reality kicked in. Freeing her hands, she sat back in her chair. Before we get too carried away with this, there is something I think you should know. And she told him briefly about Marvin, mentioning the redundancy but leaving out his downward spiral into self-pity and daytime telly. I know he's feeling a bit lost, she finished diplomatically, and, um, well, I think he might make this awkward for me. Well, let's play it by ear then, Fredo said pouring more coffee, opening a second packet of biscuit and suggesting an hourly rate for the secretarial post which knocked Big Shower's salary into a cooked hat. Let's see how it goes. If you cannot or don't want to, work full-time, then we will arrange the hours to suit. I'm flexible. Shall we say give it a month either way? If at the end of the time we decide we are not right for one another or it is causing you more problem than you can deal with, we will part company with no hard feelings. Does that sound hunky-dory to you? Very hunky-dory. Josh smiled, realizing that some small alarm that she was like Fredo actually dunking her biscuit. Marvin didn't allow dunking. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. No, Doug, thank you, 
Fredo chuckled through his chocolatey crumbles and tell you what and tell you what 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 why don't I invite your Marvin along here to meet me see the place and let him know that I am not a shyster set his mind at rest over the whole business oh no I don't think so George said quickly knowing exactly how Marvin would react to the golden-haired pink shirt much blinked Freda no I will explain it to him he will be fine honestly jealous jealous bloke is he Freda smiled warmly at her a bit protective Josh considered this for a moment. Protective? Do you know I'm not sure? No, I don't think he is. I think he's used to be years ago, but not any longer. And jealous? Definitely not. Then he's barking? Fredo chuckled. You would make any man proud as punch duck. So don't let your Marvin tell you different. George smiled. Thank you. I think I'm not used to getting compliments. Funny, isn't it? You start out in life with someone and you just assume it would be roses all the way. She stopped. Goodness, sorry, I didn't mean to. Un she stopped. Goodness, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to unburden all my personal problems. Don't mind me, Fredo handed her another biscuit. My wife walked out on me years ago ran off with one of my clients a bleeding conjurer can you believe that spends her life now on stage in shitty club in ties and sprangles watching him pull rabbits from his hat says it was an excitement that did for her she always wanted to be on the business side of the footlights josh bit her lips oh i'm sorry do you miss her no not anymore duck but i miss his 15 percent they giggled together and after finishing the coffee and the biscuit josh filled in an application form. Then Fredo gave Josh a quick guided tour of the business. Retro music and theater, he explained, didn't actually represent any of the golden oldies displayed on his walls. They were just for show. 
but he did have a bulging client list. His agency was not only solvent but extremely healthy. Josh simply hugged herself and still could not quite believe this had happened. Nor could she believe that she had not felt nervous or had not calmed up at any point. Was it really thanks to the aromatherapy bath that she had sailed through this with calm competence? Whatever the reason, she would have to buy Suki and massive thank you present for the helping to make this possible. So, Fredo said, when they would finish the introductory tour, does it all seem okay, Doug? Something you would like to get your teeth into? Oh, please, yes. Josh simply itching to sort out the filing system and tidy the two higgledy-piggledy offices and get her hands on the Remington. Um, when would you like me to start? Right now, Fredo grinned at her, but seriously, how about a week on Monday? That will give you 10 days so to square it with your husband. Give me a bit of time to tidy up at least some of the stuff here so that it didn't frighten you off before you have even got started. Lovely, Josh nodded and in the meantime, I will speak to Topsy about having a look at the can-can trip, shall I? If you could, Doc, thanks. And you would better take one of my cards with the mobile on. Then you can give me a bell and keep me up to speed, can't you? Josh took the pink and gold retro music and theater card, slipped in her handbag. I don't have a mobile phone. But you got all my contact details on the form there. Are you sure you would like me to approach Topsy? Wouldn't you rather do it yourself? Fredo grinned. Look. On it as your first bit of work experience? No. You did a sterling job in the write-up, okay? I will leave the contacting to you, but I would like to get along and come along and view them as soon as possible. Do you know if they are doing any local gigs or anything? I think Josh said, remembering what Valerie Pridmore told her. That they are not appearing in public this year until the beginning of the May. At a post-wedding party in Fiddlesticks. 
Really? Brother pushed his hair untidily away from his face, making his bangles shaggle. Not for the couple from the pub there, getting married out on a beach in the Sanchils or somewhere around now, and having the holy on the village green when they have eventually come home. Yes, I think so, George said surprised, remembering with the pleasure the sheer giddy joy of Fern's hen night in the whistle and bucket. Why, do you know them? Sort of, indirectly, Predo almost jiggled with excitement. But more importantly, I got one of best act booked in there too. The J.B. Rhodeso, excellent soul brand. They are just coming to the end of the soul supervisors tour at the moment. This fiddlesticks party will be their local homecoming gig. Well, well, small world, isn't it? Josh nodded. And you could kill two bears with one stone. Be there for you. Um, soul band. And see the can-can troop in action? I'd like to see the dancers before that if possible, Fredo said, lifting through a dying that seemed to be filled it post-it notes and bit of torn envelope. Do you have a rehearsal night? Tuesday, Josh said, knowing how much she had always envied Val darting off to dance the can-can on Tuesday evening about 7.30 in Hazy Hayes Hall. Tuesday it is. Then Fred scribed something on yet another post-it note. And you will be there, will you? Josh shook her head. Oh no, I'm not really anything to do with them. I would really like it if you could be there. Fredo said. It would give you some idea of what I do and when I'm looking for acts. You'd be a sort of intermediary knowing me and knowing the topsy bird too. Do you think that is possible? Why not? Well, because Marvin would forbid it for a start. Josh nodded. More than that, it's definite. See, you're already getting the lingo. And you will let them know I will be coming along, will you? Yes, of course. Although I cannot guarantee. There is no guarantees in this business. That is something that you will find out soon enough. Fredo beamed at her. It's what makes it unpredictable. So exciting. Josh beamed back at him. 
She was still beaming when she arrived home at the close. Marvin, she called through the dinner. Marvin, are you there? I've got some wonderful news. Well, she thought, shedding her shoes, handbags, jacket, it was wonderful to her. And even if Marvin had become sniffy over her wanting to work at Big Shava, surely he could not object her to work in an office, could he? He could not find any reason to denigrate her ancient skills now, could he? Now when she told him they were exactly the Fredo needed and she would be working in a proper secretarial environment for a very good salary, it might even spur him and to look another post for himself. Marvin, the bungalow was empty. The television was silent. The lunch things were still on the table. Where on earth had Marvin gone? He had not left the bungalow for, well, since he had been made redundant, she would float it into the bungalow on a high. Josh now couldn't remember if Marvin's car had been on the drive or not. She peered out of the window and felt the first twinge of uneasy. Marvin's car had gone. Oh my god. While she had been laughing and drinking with drinking coffee with Fredo, Marvin had finally snapped. The depression had taken over. He had driven off too fast and whoa. Josh tried to reign in her imagination. Maybe he had simply decided that enough wowling was enough and he should do as she was doing, get on his bike, metaphorically of course. Going through the mechanics of clearing the kitchen, Josh earlier euphoria had now all but evaporate. Of course, there was a bound to be a simple explanation, but what if Marvin really had driven off in tearing temper and driven to despair by her sudden newfound confidence, by her new self-assurance? Maybe she had shown him enough sympathy, enough understanding. How could she understand that what a loss of his job meant to him? 
she who would as Marvin so often reminded her simply been a parasite all her married life no she slammed the last plate into the cupboard she had been a good wife mother and homemaker she would put up with being put down at every opportunity for years she had believed everything marvin had thrown at her for far too long other less loyal or committed woman would have left him or at least stood up to him if they had not attempted to murder him wouldn't they damn it josh took a deep breath she would not under any circumstance dissolve once more into a wee tremorous cowering bestie wishing as well that bell was at home next door that she could share both the amazing events at retro music and theater and her concerns over marvin she paced restlessly around the bungalow picking things up putting them down again flicking the non-existent dust straightening already re aligned curtains how awful it would be if marvin had done something stupid whatever she failed or didn't for him she would never wanted him dead but on the other hand if marvin had simply decided to leave her leave the bungalow and start fresh alone What would she feel about that? Shockingly, she realized she really would not mind at all. In fact, it would be a lovely satisfying conclusion to the awful serenity of their relationship. It would be probably mean the bungalow would have to be sold and she had have to rent somewhere but she could cope with that couldn't she it was far easier she decided to concentrate on imagining herself being a divorcee living in a small flat and queuing at the laundrette then as a widow planning marvin's funeral Oh. Where the hell was he? And why had he chosen now to disappear? Now when she had been on the top of the world, typically of Marvin. He had yet again managed to ruin her happiness without even trying. She really should try to ring around and track him down. 
She knew it from the watching police drama on the television that vital hours were always lost by victims nearest and dearest because they had always assumed the missing person was not one at all until it was too late. Of course, previously she had always been able to contact Marvin on his mobile but at this had been a perk of job. It had been left at the office with the rest of his life. Josh stared at the phone in the hall and wishing she knew where to start. Would he have gone to see Simon? Perhaps to take his old golfing skills or any of his other friends, their dinner party circle, the ones who Marvin said would never want to socialize with him again, or the children, or could he possibly decide to bear his soul to Ozzy and Tilly? Whether he was, she was pretty sure he had be he would be splittingly angry that she was trying to find him. But she would live with that, taking a deep breath. And with the phone in one hand and their address book in the other, she started the search. Half an hour later, having drawn a blank and exhausted all possibilities, Josh wandered into the kitchen and switched on the kettle. She was not really sure why. She didn't want to drink, but neither did she know what else to be done. Marvin's so-called friends had not been much of help, merely saying they had not seen him or heard from him and seemed pretty offhand most of them suggesting he would simply gone on a job search and not to worry. Worrying Josh took the tea into the garden and the Preston Peter leading to a neat oblong of the lawn. Polaroid rose and rose bushes at each corner a tube of panaceas in the middle, neat and unexciting. The afternoon was turning into a sun-washed evening, the shadows of the bungalow looking like slumbering elephants on the lawn. She didn't want it to stray too far from the bungalow in case the children phoned back. She had left messages on their answer phones, casting a hopeful look next door in case Val had come home early and they had gone for tea, which really meant Super Josh guest with their eldest daughter and family in Hazy Hasics. 
but which was unlikely because Valerie and her husband usually ended their stories in the Birmingham. George sipped her tea and the worry deepened into the quiet panic. When the phone rang, she slipped the tweed rig over her hands down to her skirt in her haste to answer. Mother? Tilly's voice sounded disbelieving. Are you okay? Fine, well, no, I am not. As I said, I'm worried about your father. How long has he been gone? Well, I went for a job interview at just after one. You did what? Tilly laughed. You! A job? Why? It doesn't matter. Josh snapped irritably. That is not important right now. Anyways, I got it. When I came back here, your father had gone. And he has not left the house since. You've got a job. Tilly sounded totally incredulously. You, what sort of job? Secretarial. Look, Tilly, this is not important. Well, it was, of course, but not right now. What important is I'm worried about him and if he turns up at your or rings you, you will let me know, won't you? Yes, of course, but Tilly sounded as though she might be laughing. How can you possibly have got a secretarial job? You are not qualified. I'm perfectly qualified for the job in question. I think your father might have become depressed because I was looking for work and he felt he was losing his authority and that will be okay, Tilly said. Ozzy. I understand these things better than you do. If he has gone out, he it is probably to network and get himself back into the melting pot. He probably felt the time was right. But why didn't he tell me? Leave a note. Mother, Tilly was reproving. Think about this. Why would he leave you a note? There is nothing to worry about. He simply needed time to come to terms with the situation and plan his future. I expect that's what he has been doing. What he has been doing? George thought wearily has been making my life hell and watching daytime television. But she didn't say so. So? You don't think I should ring the police or the hospital? Not unless you want to be a laughingstock. 
and make dad mad as hell when he comes back. No, he has only been gone for a few hours. He will be back for supper, you will see. And Tilly hung up. Then the phone rang again. This time it was Ozzy who practically said the same thing, words for words. Josh still felt she should report Marvin as a missing person, restlessly watched some television, prepared beans on the toast for supper and phoned irritatingly gloriously topsy to arrange the meeting with Fredo for the following Tuesday and was still staring out of the window waiting for Marvin's car to swing into the drive at 11 o'clock oh Marvin George said wearily to herself sitting at her dressing table, removing her makeup and brushing her hair. Where the hell are you? Why have you done this to me today? I don't want anything to have happened to you and I will never forgive myself if you are well. If you don't come back. I have to live with the rest of my life knowing the last words we were exchanged were of angry ones. Sighing, she walked into still gloriously Ethan's perfumed bathroom to clean her teeth. There was something wrong here, surely, living as she had with the bungalow's almost austere neatness for so long. Even something slightly, a millimeter out of the place, charred on her subconscious. What was it? The bath was clean, the towels were neat on the rails, the cabinet doors were closed. Frowning, Josh squeezed toothpaste on her brush and started the mechanics of brushing on autopilot. And then stopped. The three little gemstone stopper bottles on the window still had not been there before. With a foaming mouth, she stared at them. When she had her aromatherapy bath, she replaced them, hadn't she? In her bathrobe pocket knowing that they meant she could return to the woodland fantasy pool anytime she wanted she knew she was not having a senior moment she remembered exactly what she had done which could only meant that someone else had found them Marvin surely not but what other explanation was there? 
Marvin had been infuriated and intrigued about her midday bath, hadn't he? Annoyed that she was doing something out of the routine. Cross that she would not tell him that she was doing and why. He must have waited until she left for Rentbrook and then searched everywhere for what? Some evidence that she was up to no good. Josh groaned, seeing it all in her head. He had picked up her discarded bathrobe in the bedroom and the bottles would have rattled together in the pocket, wouldn't they? And he had have taken them out and looked at them and been angry because he didn't hold with all that fronty nonsense. He had thought she had been wasting money on fribadols. Yes, Josh nodded. She could definitely see him doing that. And now, the bottle sat there in a neat row as if to accuse her. Oh God! Could it even be that Marvin had thought the midday bath was for the benefit of another man? Could he? Horror of horrors. Suspected of her having an affair? George groaned. It seemed unlikely, given Marvin's constant dismissal of her feminine charms, but as he would deliberately placed the bottles in such a prominent display. Surely there had to be some connection between them and his sudden disappearance. So what if he had decided to snip them and not knowing what they are, assume that they are some sort of seductive scent for what benefit of a lover did Marvin really suspected her of having another man. George spat out her toothpaste. The whole notion was ludicrous. Marvin certainly would not have bathed using this essence, would he? No. That would be madness. So he must have simply sniffed the heady, rich fragrance and then decided that Josh, whose lifelong scent of choice was safe and conservative, was being unfaithful, must not he? Oh, Marvin. Josh sighed, you complete prat. So had he left her because he thought she was committing adultery? Oh God, come on. And if so, Josh hurried into the bedroom and yanked open wardrobes, Ikea doors, hell. Marvin's side of wardrobe where she had hung and folded his clothes in order, colored, coded for years and years and could do it 
her sleep had several telling gasps, buggering help. Josh kicked the wardrobe door. Marvin, you stupid, stupid sod. And this is chapter 20. I will be seeing you in the next chapter. Good night, everyone. And as always, I love you.